Hey, Shumai. My name is Kai Morgan, and this is Welsh Waves. I've always been curious as to where Wales fits in in the world, and in this podcast, I hope to find out the answer. I'll be doing this by exploring our culture, sport, and language with some special guests, folk who I believe are shaping our future on a global stage. I'll also offer the odd essay episode that you might enjoy, something a little bit different where I'm going to do some solo deep dives into some Cymru history and culture. So please do join me, Amina Chavi, on this journey of discovery. Subscribe and listen on your major podcasting platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Croeso, welcome to Welsh Waves. Welcome back. If you're new around here, uh, this is episode four, and there's three other brilliant episodes available for you to listen to, if I say so myself. So please go and listen to the series so far. But today, in episode four, I'm joined by Gareth Rees. Gareth Rees is a designer from Cabalendra, and he has an incredibly rich tapestry of creative work for some of the world's biggest brands. Adidas, Jaguar Land Rover, Gymshark, Sky Sports, to name a few. His work has been seen by billions of people. I really, really enjoyed this interview. We go down into the nitty gritties of design and its influence on society today, how AI is shaping creative industries for good or for bad, and how we in Wales maybe need to be not so humble and should start our very own design movement. That'd be a cool thought, wouldn't it? So I'm not going to waste any more time in this intro. Here's our discussion with Hauch. Well, Gareth, thanks for joining me, man. Um, this is a kind of a conversation I wanted to have for so long because, you know, we've spoken about uh, our work together personally at, for years, really, over WhatsApp. Um, and uh, in the previous podcast, I had the Creative Crossroad. I wanted to get you on, but we couldn't work it out. And you were working for Adidas at the time, working on top secret stuff you can't, couldn't really talk about. But now you're not working for Adidas, so maybe there is some top secret stuff that you can talk about. Um, but I wanted to start actually um, by congratulating you because, you know, over the last six months to a year, you've become a father. I've become a father for the first time. Um, I wanted to ask you, how has becoming a father affected your work in a positive way? Because I found it's changed like perspectives for me personally. But I don't know, do you find you working harder now? Do you find like it's changed a lot for you or not? Because um, it's a massive thing, isn't it? Yeah, uh, first of all, cheers, Guy. Thanks for having me on. No worries. It's, uh, it's odd to speak to you in English, to be honest. I know, it is, it is. Work. But uh, yeah, that's a tough question. First up, I wasn't expecting that one off the bat. But um, yeah, becoming a father, is, and, and you know, congratulations to you as well. It's it's um it's definitely a life-changing thing and um nah, to be honest hasn't changed much from work standpoint um i'm definitely i guess when you get when you get into work you get your head down and it, i guess it's a nice break almost from the stuff that you have to do uh otherwise but uh no i guess I, I guess it puts stuff in perspective as well. You know, sometimes you, you get have a bad day in work. Um, you come home and 
everything yeah everything is i think gone. i 100% agree that was the one thing that i was going to say is the i think one thing i've noticed the most cuz you know you read online a lot about like people saying um oh you know having a kid makes me uh has made me more successful because i'm more determined to provide and all this like rubbish i gen like the biggest thing for me has been like the perspective on you know like the importance of what like, what is actually really important um it sounds it sounds so cheesy, doesn't it? But you know, I'm I was like I I am still a person who can like you know get quite like attached to my work, and then to come home like suddenly it's like a pin popping a balloon. Sometimes yeah. I think it's good to have that change of perspective because it keeps you keeps your mind fresh. I've worked with people in the past where they've you know unfortunately um, you know they've had um, family members or. Or children that are not well, you know, that you would never tell from their work uh, um, personas because such um, nothing phases them in in a in a professional environment because once they go out of work, yeah, worse things to deal with. Yeah, you know? so yeah, that's true. Because like man, from a like um like you know, I'm not a kind of um, get into your personal life too much, but like from work wise, your work has taken you all around the world, like. You've recently come back from South Korea. Well, I say recently, maybe a couple of years ago now. Like you're working in Germany for a long time. I know you've done like bits out in America and stuff as well, and down in London. Like how how is it to kind of be more UK based now? Because at the moment, for the listeners, I I will have said in the intro, but you currently work for Gymshark. Uh, what's it like to be UK based for the first time in so long? Yeah, well, I've travelled a lot, uh, and considering I I absolutely hate flying. Like when I sit down on the plane, my hands are just sweaty. Oh, it's, it's disgusting. Um, yeah, UK based now, and yeah, I'd been away for ten years uh, working, and um, I wanted to come back to to Wales. To be honest, I actually, yeah, moved back to Wales. I, I travel up to um, Jim Sharks HQ uh, two or three days a week, and um, because of the hybrid working, you know. Um, arrangements now everyone's doing that now so that's a good thing uh, but yeah it was the first time for me and my wife Hela to live in the UK together wow. um, and it's definitely yeah it's nice to be home it's nice to be close to the family and, and friends as well so so then tell me about like those early steps then so you worked for Tenopolis and then you had an opportunity am I right to move to Sky then to Sky Sports, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I I worked at Tenopolis for two and a half years, um, and I just decided it was a time for a move um, and to do something else. And uh, I started applying for jobs. Uh, I, th- I think it was at the B- because they were related to broadcast as well, like BBC, ITV, and uh, Sky. I managed to get an interview at Sky, and uh, yeah, I was offered a job there, and I. Um, I worked as a junior broadcast designer um, on Sky Sports News. And within eight months there, I got a promotion to the house style team, which was the on-air identity. So if you watch the Premier League, uh, boxing, uh, all the kind of flagship sports that Sky Sports have, um, I designed the, uh, the we, call, yeah, we call it house style. It was basically the graphics that, you know, you, you see the Premier League table or the- Yeah, the score thing at yeah, the top everything. corner. Yeah, and at the time, Sky was like the 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 global feed. Um, wow. Um, 
uh, was on the global feed and my work was seen by you know, billions of people. You, know, you imagine people in Thailand, Malaysia, yeah. or watching, seeing my graphics uh, pop up on screen, which was amazing. And so, and so that, you know, that must have been your first taste of realization as someone from Wales to then suddenly be plonked in London, you're working for Sky Sports, you've, you know, worked your way up into the house team and yeah, your work has been seen by billions of people. That must have been a big, like, mentality shift, I imagine, to realize, oh, hang on, we're on to something here. Do you know what? I didn't. At the oh, time. No. <laughs> no, I didn't. Well, it would have for me if I was. Yeah, I think, I look back on things now, I if I, I think it's because I had no expectations on myself. I think I, I had no preconceptions of going into broadcast design or graphic motion graphic design as well. I, I learned the, the skills as I was going. Uh, and I think as a creative, it's about learning. And um, yeah, I just saw it as a job, I think. I, I think I... I so I, humble. So I humble. Foresaw, I foresaw something. There was something else coming in the future. That's what mm. I felt like. And... Um, and it wasn't until like a couple of years later where I sat down, I'm in a pub in London with some of my friends and I'm watching like, the, I think it's the ashes and I, I, I did all the graphics and uh, they, they had this little graphic called, um, oh, I can't remember what it was called. Anyway, it was like a, it was like a revometer that the sky had purchased some Israeli military um, equipment that could actually detect, detect the spin on the cricket ball. And it could actually tell you how many revs, revolutions. So they just asked me, like, one day, oh, could you just design like a revometer that could we could <laughs> use when, when on the cricket? And that, that popped up on the screen, and they were like, "Oh, that's cool." And I was like, "Oh, I did that." <laughs> it's like, it's like um, and then it re I think it's the appreciation of the the close people around you. Do you know what I mean? I know. So let's um, let's like fast forward a little bit. So you you're at Sky. Um, and then you ended up, if I'm right, um, getting a place uh, at the Royal College of Art, which was pretty significant for you because that allowed you to kind of further your kind of education and, and studies in design. But it also offered an amazing opportunity uh, through uh, to, to go to Jaguar Land Rover. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was... Um... So in when I did my BA, um, I was offered a place at the RCA there, and it was pretty difficult to get on that course. And I had to turn it down, and it was like, it was quite, it was gutting at the time. I had to turn a, a, an amazing opportunity down um, to get a job, basically. I couldn't afford to live in London without without any money. And, um, and I think maybe that was like a plan. It was a subconscious plan in the back of my head. It wasn't like... I'm going to do this, but I, I think at Sky, I became a bit, um, you know, living in London on your own, I became a bit, um, I guess I came a bit homesick, I think. I know it sounds strange, but um, I thought if I'm going to be in London, I'm going to do something that perhaps will push me as well, you know, um, and I I reapplied and they they remembered me. They said, oh, yeah, we remember you. And they, <laughs> From like, it was like four or five years ago and, wow. and I got a place again and um, and it was a bit of a gamble to be honest. I quit my job at Sky. Uh, I oh, I worked out that I could only afford the first year. This is a two-year course, master's yeah. degree. 
um, and I just went for it. And I was very lucky that Sky offered me freelance work. So any, any kind of turn, time breaks or weekends, um, yeah, I, I managed to like you know, pay the rent and pay the wow. bills by that. But yeah, the 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 college itself is you know is is one of the best in the world for design and art and the the opportunities you get um with 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 the college as well is amazing so you'd always have people you know, c companies from industry coming in to try and select people for placements and things like that so um yeah i i was very lucky to get selected to work at between the first year and second year at land rover advanced design so um at the time we were working on um, components for the uh, Defender, which is already out now, wow. the new Defender. And I was also doing some um, Range Rover like a, um, Range Rover studies as well, um, which was pretty cool. Um, but I also like this, this shows my, um, you know, my graft. I was literally working Monday to Friday at Land Rover and then I was driving down to London on a Saturday, Sunday to work at Sky Sports News. Wow. Back up to um, uh, the Midlands <sighs> to work on a Monday. So I had to get the money, you know, to, to yeah. pay the rent as well. I must have instilled like some, you know, really solid worth ethic. And I think, um, you know, as often I have to go to do work at universities or not often, but now and again, I do talks or things or and I meet or I get like work, people who do work experience through um they've just come out of school and stuff and um you know they, they they'll talk about people who are like you know incredibly successful you, you can read you read this online often as well and i think so much hard work is so unseen like it's so unseen and the people who have really made it to where they are actually you know to the top say uh you know, maybe don't talk about it as much. And the people that do talk about a lot about the hard work aren't really at the top. Does that make sense? Am I, am I, maybe yeah, I'm waffling I, a little bit on Friday night, but yeah. that's what, and I think uh, that's another fantastic example of it is that you were just plugging away, plugging away at it. And uh, to get where you are, there's there's no real coincidence, I don't think. I think it's the, the work, I think I've always had that work ethic. Yeah. Uh, I've always... And I don't think personally as a creative, as a designer, I've, I'm the most talented. So that's perhaps where I've had to work harder or I've had to work uh, anyway. So turn up and um, and I think through that work ethic and you're naturally going to progress. You know what I mean? You know, the more you, the more effort you put in, um, yeah, it, it's going to pay off uh, in, in, in a sense. But yeah, definitely the sack. You know the, the hard work and also the the sacrifices that it takes as well to be away from you know family friends and things like that for for months weeks uh, years even you know it's tough um but if you you know i am i'm fortunate to i love what i do and so i've got to have that balance in life then you know so yeah i'm i'm i get to do that but also then um yeah sometimes you have to miss a birthday party or something mm, after, yeah which which is not it's just not nice but that's one of the reasons why i try to come back to wales now yeah is, is i to, mean you've done 10 years of that pal so yeah. i yeah. think you deserve to come back to wales and <laughs> um, tell me about like the move then the step up to adidas because that probably is i don't know what your, your thoughts are but that is probably one of the most prolific design roles you've had to date i know it's like sky sports was huge and stuff 
billions of people with eyeballs on your work. But uh, at Adidas, you got to a stage where you're working on the future team, which if I'm right in saying is pretty much the team of designers that are looking at the future of design within Adidas and how that can look. And it's pretty, you know, high-end, top-secret, conceptual work. Um, that must have been an unbelievable role for, for a designer. And, and as someone, as you said, who kind of started off in Tinopolis, then, and no offense to Tinopolis, Tinopolis is brilliant, but like to end up in Adidas doing that role, that must have been, that it must, the penny must have dropped by that point. When, when they told me I'd be working on the future football as well, I'm a big, massive football fan. I was like, whoa, this is like, you reach the Champions League. You yeah, know? yeah. Where do, you, where do you go from here? Yeah, no, serious. It's, uh, now they, they'd, um, so in, in the RCA, I did a major project, which was totally random. I, I love to just go outside my comfort zone, you know. Uh, I did um, a project based on the future of agriculture. Like everyone else <laughs> doing luxury, premium. Look <laughs> at this, I'm going to do something totally different and push myself to learn something new as well, because I knew nothing about, although I live in Wales, I, I don't know anything about agriculture, you know. Um, yeah, they, that project itself, and it, it, it surprised me when they told me, when, when they invited me in for an interview, it was like, that project's got you this, this interview. Because of the... I think it was it was a combination of materials, uh, materials, um, future forecasting of technology, user experience, um, yeah, design ethos, philosophy as well. They they said that if you can do that, you can do yeah future football, future sports as well. Um, I, I was blown away. I was like, yeah, wow. man. Like, why yeah. were Adidas interested in agricultural? You know, yeah. Royal College of Art uh, end of year project. That's yeah. pretty crazy. It, it was, I guess, it was the skill set. You know, yeah, transferable yeah. skills as well. Um, and yeah, I worked. So it has a bonkers um, story that I was I was interview, interviewed in Portland, actually in the US, and they invited me over. And the the um, vice president of the Future Innovation Organization, um, yeah, offered me a job on the spot on the day um uh went out for dinner and yeah the, that's what he told me you're gonna you're gonna be working on the future football and that for me that was amazing so i got to work on uh, a lot of really exciting projects um which and they were very fast-paced as well um i'm very like push like pushing things a lot and um but yeah it was <laughs> I worked in a, it, it was amazing because it was, I was put into an interdis, interdisciplinary team. So we had people from uh, sports science, mechanical engineering, material scientists, um, you know, eng, eng, biomech engineers um, and creative thinkers as well. So we had people there from automotive industry. We had people from advertising. Wow. People from so, all over. So how big was that team then, that, that kind of future design team? So the design team was only eight people. Okay. So out of, uh, out of like 250 designers. And that's global, sorry, just to confirm. Yeah. Uh, we had a sister team. So the the Herzog team in Germany was eight. And then it was mirrored in Portland. So we had a um, so yeah, around 16 to 20. It started to grow by the time I left. But um yeah, and, and then overall then with, with the rest of the competencies within the innovation team, there's about 
it went up to about 50. Wow. People. And that's so that's like the biomechanical people, the yeah, people who yeah, specialize yeah. materials, creatives, yeah. and stuff. Lots of very clever people with PhDs. Uh, and I felt really dumb. <laughs> um, wow. So, yeah. like, and, and so just so the listeners understand, that team of people, including yourself, uh, were responsible for looking at how, kind of, as society develops over the next you know 10 to 15 years or whatever it is like how are we as a company going to keep up with that change and adapt so like you like is that right is that is that like a yeah yeah we had to do a lot of forecasting you know it's pretty it's not easy um and um so it's yeah forecasting with societies you know, social economic changes we're forecasting within material advancements technological advancements uh sport how sport will change over the next five to ten years. I, once, once I was there, I, I worked on a um, rugby world cup. Uh, it was like a mini innovation project for the rugby world cup, um, and I just it, it was fascinating just to see how the sport of rugby changed within three four years. You know, like how how mobile hookers were becoming. You know, across you, you don't have any Adam Joneses anymore. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone is is. The, the mobility when the game has increased and that's that's the depth that we used to go to is understanding wow. players and stats and data as well and I imagine as well working in that sort of environment for such a massive successful company you must have been like a kid in a candy shop with regards to access to you know material idea archive you know of such an incredible rich history of design in somewhere like adidas like what what an amazing you know place to be a part of and kind of to be a part of their history you know yeah made the yeah like i said my i'm a big football fan and they you know the accelerator predator was one of my favorite never got to have a pair of those but um yeah the history is amazing and you, you, i think it kind of gives you this you know you've you've got a you got to produce the ideas because the people who worked before you were, I'm not saying they were better, but they, they were seriously good at what they did. So you've, you, you've got to live up to the standards. Mm. I think that's a, that's a good, perhaps that's a good word is, is the standards that they set. Mm. Um, they, you know, generally they're number two brand in the world behind Nike. So, but they don't see it like that. They, yeah. they, they set their own standards, you know, and I think that's really important. Um, one thing I have to say about someone like Adidas is the power of creativity. And I think uh, I've noticed that now elsewhere um, since since I left is is the absolute trust in what you do mm. as a creative. And they see the power of creative ideas um, and, and they don't care if you work in accounts or in, in, in um, law, um, legal, sorry. Um, everyone in that company has the power to be creative, to, to find new solutions or new ways of doing things, whether that's, you know, in a product or branding or marketing, whatever. Um, and I think that's, that's really nice. Uh, that was mm. a very good culture to have, you know. So tell me, so obviously, yeah, you went traveling then, COVID happened, and then your plan was to come home to Wales, but you ended up going to South Korea. <laughs> what? <laughs> home from Germany to, to Wales, right, South Korea. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was bonkers, mate. Um, I, 
we were traveling. Uh, this, this is kind of it's not related whatsoever. We traveled to um, South Korea whilst we were traveling. Uh, I was just there for a couple of days. We met up with some friends and stuff. And um, whilst I was in New Zealand, I got a message uh, from a company in South Korea um, asking if I'd be interested to have a chat. And they were looking for designers. And um, and you and thought, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm down over your neck of the woods anyway. I'll pop up now. <laughs> give me, give me a couple of hours. I'll catch a flight though. <laughs> I, I did say no. I'm not. I'm not interested because the plan was to go home to Wales and be a freelancer. That was yeah. the, that was my whole. That's still my plan A. That's still in the in the, in the book somewhere. Um, and they and then COVID. I came home and COVID happened. And there was nothing happening. There was like no you know, work. People put on furlough. Really yeah. horrible situations and stuff. And and they got back to me and said, oh, "Would you be interested in coming to?" Korea and um, you know, joining the so it was an innovation team there for the Japanese apparel brand. It's a bit complicated, but the, the Japanese apparel brand called Asant. They opened the um, innovation studio in Busan, which is Busan is like kind of the capital of footwear, definitely in Korea, but it was in Asia. Nike started doing all their their shoes in in Busan and and also then in in Taiwan as well, but. Um, yeah, I thought it was a. I was doing nothing. I was twiddling my thumbs. Like I couldn't get any freelance gigs because nothing was happening. And yeah, went for it. And um, I worked I worked in Korea for ten months, which which turned out to be pretty tricky because uh, personal circumstances. But um, yeah, amazing, amazing experience, amazing experience. But I definitely saw the difference within innovation setups, you know, and I think that was amazing, really good um, learning curve for me, a learning process. You go from, you know, multi-global, you know, Adidas uh, innovation team to a smaller innovation team. Now, the innovation team at the Sant was really well specced, it was really well kitted out and, um, but maybe it was more so the mentality of of how they implement ideas on how yeah. they work as well, because in Asian culture, working, working culture is different, man. It's, mm. it's not the same and you don't have the same freedoms because innovation, you can't, innovation design, especially when you kind of come up with ideas, you can't be structured, you can't be rigid, no. you can't be nine till five. It's, it's when you get the idea, you know what I mean? It, yeah, it can come at any that. time. Yeah. It can, become really spontaneous and um and i think rigidity and uh, rules are meant to be broken mm. in innovation so um that was an eye-opener when i went there you, you gotta be at your desk at so and so you gotta leave at so and so yeah um, but you, you kind of mentioned this earlier i think like this only kind of like strengthens you as a obviously like as where you are now in 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 like jumping into this country and like appreciating not only like the professional culture but also like the the the, the bigger picture the bit the actual culture on the street and because that you know it just i guess strengthens you and what you know and your knowledge as with every step you take yeah i think nothing is a, like what we always say is like nothing is a bad experience yeah um even if you find it tough in somewhere, it's going to pay off. Like it'll, it'll pay off down the line, I think, because you you learn to deal with things in different ways. And and then if something pops up in the future, then you've, you've dealt with it in the past in in a different uh, 
circumstance, for instance. So, um, yeah, I, th I think um, it's all it's all going into the, the the subconscious and conscious somewhere, and then also learning. You learn from mistakes, but you also learn from other people's mistakes as well. Yeah. I know that sounds a bit weird. But... Yeah, and the more people you meet, the more mistakes you hear about, I guess. Yes, well. yeah. And I think it's good because it, it puts you on a better path as well. Um, so tell me then about the current role you're in. So we're, we're up to, you came back to the UK, come back to Wales. Uh, plan A was going to happen, which is to go freelance, start your own studio, which I think, imagine, I think you still are, you've, you still managed to do that, but you are full time with. Gymshark now, another yeah. new up and coming global brand. Um, like how are there parallels between Adidas and Gymshark? You know, do you like from the history books that you've read about Adidas, do you see that similar trajectory? It's huge now, Gymshark. Yeah, it massive. is so influential. Um and I mean that in the truest sense of the word, not in the modern digital media sense of the word, where it, because it is that as well you know, dominated in the influencer market. But, so so tell me about kind of like the, the parallels in between like the role you had in Adidas and the role you've currently got. Yeah, so um, the role I have now is a lot more commercial-led, but we are looking at future kind of product options for them. Um, I work in a small team. Um, and yeah, the, the, the parallel, I guess it's, it's, diff it's a different animal in a sense. It's an apparel-led company. Adidas, Nike were always footwear-led companies, um, and th there's different kind of application and, and basically functionalities you need to um, um, you need to answer with, with in, in terms of footwear. They become more kind of industrialized, um, more industrial design kind of approaches. Um, what Gymshark have done in the last ten years is incredible. Like their 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 roots are in the lifting culture right? yeah but they've they've captured the imagination of a lot of especially the youth because of social media and the, you know the athleisure scene as well you know ever since covid everyone's just wearing leggings and yeah you know baggy hoodies and things like that <laughs> and, and that's what gymshark have kind of catered for as well within within their product options and the, the trajectory of the comp company is probably I don't know, if you if you were to compare to any other sports brand is is ridiculous mm. they've grown extremely fast i think perhaps the only company i could think of in the last 10 years is on running that have had a massive growth um and gymshark i think will will continue to grow they um they are yeah, it's, it, it's, I guess it's not comparable. I can't compare yeah. it to Adidas because it's, it's, it's was set up in a different way. It, it has a different approach, you know. Um, what about um, the importance of digital media and social media commercially now for design? Like, you know, this is a good thing because people can go, oh my God, look at this incredible new trainer. It becomes a trend. It can become a TikTok viral viral moment which people will lap up and love but equally like it could be a flop and it becomes viral for the wrong reasons is that ever in your mind when maybe not so much in like the future team when you're at adidas because that is a little bit more conceptual but when you're in kind of like product day to day uh is that a consideration 
Is consideration in terms of like understanding what consumers wear these days or what they like as well. Um, I think one thing for as a creative, as a, as, as a, a designer or, or even an, if you're an artist or whatever, is the exposure that you can get through, through your work, but also the exposure to other people's work. And it's frankly, it's quite scary because the, the standards are unbelievable you know some i don't really look at instagram that much these days and i because it, it it does scare you you think wow i could never do that um and and um what uh, in terms of skill sets or, or the, the tools that are on offer today for for young designers as well is huge and um huge offering and and um, another thing as well is like the artificial intelligence you know all these dallies and mid journey and stuff for the the, the I've I've spoken it spoken about it for years now is is the power that AI has within the creative industry and not just for creating pretty images obviously there's there's tools for scripting and and, and um, also for 3D modeling as well you know if you just sketch something the, the, these tools can um, they can 3D model your 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 ideas and you can just 3D print them, you know, and objects, your digital manifestation becomes tangible, you know. Mm. And that is positive thing, uh, you know, broadly. Is it, does it intimidate you at all? Oh yeah, massively. I'm, I'm really scared of it yeah. too. But someone who is, uh, I've come through a lot of different disciplines now, through, I've like, worked in broadcast, automotive, footwear, um, it's it's something I can see touching all all of those parts of the industry, and um, it's almost de de the word democratizing design in a sense because you anybody can do it these days. Mm. Um, and there's some parallels you see in industry where um, I give you Kanye West as a good good example, you know, very popular, very um, yeah, no doubt he's talented um, in some aspects, but maybe in you know let's say he's, he's not the best you know to, to be the best musician doesn't mean you're the best footwear designer in the world yeah. you know what i mean yeah um, and i think the the rise of kind of populism and and the power of the social media you know if you've got two million followers does that mean you can do anything you want and we've, we're already seeing it with you know prime what's his name yeah logan paul and Kessa, so, yeah, yeah. They, those guys can do anything now just because of the populism influence. and the, the influence they have on their followers. Um, and it's a bit of a, I think, it's a bit of a kick in the gut sometimes. Mm -hmm. you, someone's worked hard to get to where they are in the traditional sense. So you, have to, you just have to rip it up. I guess innov innovation, that's what they're doing. You know, they're disrupting um, the, the market, the influencer market and social media as well. And I guess I'm not... I guess I'm not with in that uh, that era. Yeah, I, but I do think though with AI is what I've been thinking about recently, and the more examples of I see of AI work, I think that um, like it will be uh, judged in a different way. I, I maybe in the short term, definitely it will be. Um, analyzed in a different way as to what kind of truly organic human work will be uh analyzed and broken down but ultimately the success of any uh 
creative artificial intelligence surely lies with the prompter you know whatever the you know whoever's actually putting something into that to prompt it to be like right design me a you know um you know if i said design me the best shoe for a 100 meter sprinter really isn't i mean there are going to be so many limitations to what that can do but if i said design me a shoe for 100 meter sp- sprinter by considering this 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 and this which is only information you can gather with your experience in what you've done then then that is obviously going to benefit you but for joe bloggs who thinks he's going to suddenly design this incredible shoe for the next usain bolt like i i I can't see them jumping the queue in that aspect do you know what i mean yeah i know you mean but i i I kind of foresee that uh, the ai will become so advanced that it'll know everything. That it can take data sets from, you know, biomechanics and data sets from surfaces, you know, running surfaces from material material par- parameters and input that into a system and then spit out a perfect running shoe. I think it's totally feasible. I, I don't think, I, I talk to a lot of, you know, designer friends and, and, and friends who are not within the crypto industry as well. And, I, I, I constantly scaremongering. I'm like, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna take our jobs, basically. Uh, basically, yeah. we need to make our millions now because yeah, yeah, just get, t- get, get it sorted now. on this now and it's yeah. taken. Um, because ultimately, you become the prompter. We're just gonna, you have prompters, and arguments come away. Say, wait, you're always gonna have the designer. You always have to have a creative director in a sense, or a, a design-minded person to be able to. Um, interpret or choose the right output from AI, mm. but I think you know, that, that's a bit. That's half of us of a job anyway, because yeah, because so many people come from yeah. 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 Um, but I think AI will become so advanced, so sophisticated that they'd be able to actually select the ones, or even um, you know, if you're a CEO of a company, you want to start a a running shoe company. Right? prompt away and it'll come up with the best options for you you don't even have to um have the the knowledge of you know technical knowledge within footwear construction manufacturing because it can take all the data sets from and like, yeah and yeah. the years that it's taken for you to understand that information is just like frog leaped about yeah. you know it's years. banked somewhere isn't it? it the information can be banked somewhere and the the systems could probably read through that in Oh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just going off one now. But, so uh, then, so broadly in the bigger picture, will that eventually be a good thing for sports design? Do you think like, obviously it's a negative thing for designers like yourself, but for the consumer, do you think ultimately that'll be a positive outcome? Because maybe it'll be more clinical, product will get to market quicker. Uh, I don't know, will that eventually be a good thing? There's a couple of kind of arguments towards it because you you would have um, we talk about innovation and rules and and uh, breaking the norm. These systems will always reference stuff that they they know. Um, whereas it'd be interesting. They, I was talking the other day to a friend as well as I was saying that with this AI, there's a, and artificial intelligence automation systems as well. There's always going to be, with one 
movement there's always another counter movement and i think we're already seeing it as well in in, in social media you know everyone's obsessed with uh, process look you know watching a painter or watching a sculptor the human element of things is is huge um people still want to see that so they're still valuing that you think for the consumer? yeah 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 i think um the, uh, adidas did the f- i don't think many people know about it but adidas did one of the first automated production lines um fully automated shoes they were called the uh, am4u um uh, adidas made for you and they built an um, automation facility in um in Germany, and they were going to build one in Atlanta as well in the US. The, the whole shoe was done by robots, basically. The design was done by human, but it was done with the limitations of what the robot can do. And then um, the only human that was involved in the production line was to move a shoe. I think it was like two or three steps that to move a shoe from one machine to another basically and then to lace the shoe at the end because they couldn't invent a robot to lace the shoe <laughs> but um but there was this kind of the aesthetics were different because it was limited by by what it could do but there was a, it, the shoe didn't sell well the shoe was a bit of a flop um because there was this kind of cold perception towards it didn't have the stitches you see with yeah. normal shoes. It didn't have the um, um, this kind of these warm materials. You know, it was all kind of no soles. Um, you know, albeit amazing, really forward-thinking technologies like in terms of sustainability, in terms of how we bond materials together, is like space age. It was mm. unbelievable, but it it lacked that kind of craft uh, element, the perception of a product. So I think that would always be. A big part of 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 products in the future because although in addition to sustainability everyone is is going to be um you know rightly so um an important factor in terms of products and and the way we use products but the story behind stuff because you you think of burberry you think of uh you know brands that have these huge heritage stories yeah. as well behind design and craft and I think that's perhaps where you will see the 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 counter movement coming back in, you know, from AI. I think the, I think the last year, I don't know how you think about it, the last year is massively accelerated. I, I've I feel like and it's you know, my grandmother's asking about what is artificial intelligence. It feels like we've passed the kind of the early adopter stage generally with the concept of artificial intelligence and and we get into the, this next stage now where we're actually seeing it directly affect us or benefit us, you know, or, or, or not. Um, but my last question, one thing I wanted to kind of finish on was um, influence of like Wales and Welsh culture and uh, kind of, you know, like the DNA of of Wales in your work because if you go on your Instagram you know there's a there's a like you know you've done like designs and mock-ups of like whale shirts and you re- like the consideration for um our history and heritage is like so apparent in your work like ha- have you found that that has followed you a lot wherever you've been wherever you are in the world there's like this link back to Wales at all oh yeah definitely I think it's um it's a cultural makeup of your DNA, right? And and we 
as Welsh people, I generally think we are quite humble. And maybe as a designer, I think that's it's a, it's a good thing um, to keep kind of like curious and fresh and not have like preconceptions about thing about people or about cultures or um and i think it's a good um it's definitely come through my work as honesty I, I, I always joke like i always say oh to be honest we wish it be like this and and, and it, it becomes a bit of an in joke with with teams i work with but um i think honesty in in product as well in design philosophies like we shouldn't if I think if I'm designing a shoe, for instance, I don't add things that don't need to be there. If I, or I'm designing a, a car or vehicle, the unnecessary add-ons within 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 the design process, we, I just keep it really. It's almost a little bit minimal, almost like Scandinavian approach, where um, if it doesn't need to be there, it's fluff. You know what I mean? It, it's get rid of it. It's nonsense. You know. Um, and I think that's that comes through in my work, um, but I always, always like to push things as well. Um, I think I have this urge to, as a Welsh person, is to push things forward um, from, I guess, from a cultural point of view, um, from language to, I guess, general aesthetic and feeling of of Wales. Of what it, what is Wales in fifty years' time? You know, um, what would it look like? What, when we got all rid of all those disgusting uh, architecture like Swansea and Cardiff, it's like, what, what, what would we, you know, if we had a, a unlimited pot of money, what would those buildings look like? What would those cities feel like? And um, yeah, and, and that, that feeling of Welshness, and it's definitely followed me around in my career because I, I guess it made me who I am, right? And um, I'm very thankful for that. And um, yeah, and everyone is you know, globally as well. When I go around the world, everyone's super interested because I'm not that other person from. Oh, you're, well, I do get it a lot. Are you from England? And then you have to explain the story. Yeah, and no. The Welsh tourist board should pay me a lot of money because I've, <laughs> I've, I've sold Wales so many times. I so was many in, people now know about Wales in the yeah, design world. No, I was in China like three weeks ago, and then someone was asking me, "Oh, where's? Um, are you from England? I know Wales." And just showing them pictures of. Rosilli and uh, <laughs> you know Erri and places like that, and they were like, "Oh my God, this is amazing! I want to go there." I'm like, hey, "You should." And it's it's nice to have a in a in a way, it's a it's a, a USP like a you know a USP, but it's also a bit of a uh, best kept secret, isn't it? Of yeah. Europe, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah, I think that is cool. What about um uh, uh like what can Wales do more? For themselves design wise what i mean by that is like you know if japanese design instantly recognizable scandinavian design instantly recognizable um like is this something you think like wales could do more to put themselves on a map from a creative design perspective to really push us forward i guess uh, in wales our um creative industry is all based around the media and i think that's you know, that's a strength we should be playing to. You know, should we have in Cardiff Design Festival or something where, um, in comparative with off, for instance, um, in Barcelona, get people from outside Wales to come to to Wales as well. Um, 
I should really play out because there's loads of amazing, you know, graphic designers, motion graphic designers, and we should be celebrating them as well. Um, there's people, you know, people I met um, from Wales, if they were Slovakian or German, they would be celebrated to the um, to the rafters, you know, they'd be in all magazines and things like that. And I, I think we don't, we don't celebrate. I guess it's coming from our humble nature. You know, we, we don't like to shout about things. I think it's a part of that. Definitely. Yeah. It's definitely uh, a part of that. And we should, we should celebrate it more um, because it's, especially when it's linked to our culture, our background, our language as well. Definitely celebrate it from a, from a product standpoint as well. Um, our, our, our heritage is in your know, craft, you know, mills and making uh, woodwork and metalwork. Like there should be, oh, I'd love it if there was like a movement to bring stuff back like that, you know, yeah. like a modern Welsh manifesto of, of manufacture. Of product, yeah, products and, and, um, and architecture as well. That would be sick. But um, yeah, who knows? Maybe one day. I, I'd, I'd like to keep doing stuff based on welsh culture i think just push things you know um even if it's like one project a year a little project yeah know, it'll, yeah. Build, it'll build up um, well that's that's a massive brief for yeah studio to work on you know in in years to come whenever that might be and um i wish you all the best for that and, and the rest of the work you do with um gym track yeah. well thanks gareth for coming on i really really enjoyed that there's so many points I think they were raised in that interview, which I know I'm going to be thinking about in my head over the next few days when I'm stuck in traffic or in the shower or gardening or whatever it is. Um, especially around artificial intelligence, I think, because that's becoming an ever-increasing aspect of the creative industry. We can't escape from it. And um, I've got so many questions. I think I might have to actually do a special episode of Ballet. Um, I'm not sure who I would interview. If you've got any ideas, please let me know. Send me a message at Kaidi Morgan on Twitter or Instagram. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Anyway, no episode next week. I'm away on holiday, but I'll be back the following week. Um, so in the meantime, if you haven't done, please go back and listen to those episodes I talked about earlier. Three episodes out already as well before this one. Go and subscribe to the series on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. And I'll see you in a fortnight. Huila Matro.